Welcome to Woodstock Nation. Your host, Marla Davies. Hello, Woodstock Nation. The podcast celebrates the revolution, evolution, and life-changing magic of music festivals from Woodstock to today. I'm one of the producers of Woodstock Nation, the documentary due out this 50th anniversary year. The Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival has become a San Francisco tradition, and this year is its 19th anniversary. Some 750,000 music lovers will converge on Speedway Meadow in Golden Gate Park for a long weekend of Hardly Strictly Bluegrass music. And fans have been doing it on the first weekend of October for almost two decades. The Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival started in 2001 by banjo player and philanthropist Warren Hellman. And the word hardly was added in 2004. This year, the festival runs for three days with six stages and some 80 acts. It most definitely has grown since the early days. Oh, and did I mention the coolest part? The Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival is free. Always has been, always will. At least that was Warren Hellman's intentions. Hellman, since passed, and his family wanted to make a gift and give it to the people of San Francisco and the world for a free annual outdoor music festival that features and celebrates American roots music while also fostering joy, creativity, freedom, peace, collaboration, love of music, mutual respect, and spiritual community. And for 19 years, that is exactly what they've done. Today on Woodstock Nation, we're going to feature one of the artists on the bill at the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival. It's hard to pick a favorite in this year's outstanding lineup, but my personal choice is Shooter Jennings. Coming up, you'll hear some live music from Shooter and learn more about him. And you're also going to be delighted to talk with Chris Portman. Please welcome the music programmer of the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival. Very exciting. 19th year in San Francisco, the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm I'm psyched for it. I can't wait for the for the weekend. It's uh, one of the most magical, maybe the most magical event I've ever worked on. Is that right? Do you really? It's such a high ranking for you. Why is it so much more special uh, you know, than others? I, it, it's it's just you know I don't know just how the stars align for it. You know I mean every year is a different experience. Granted, but uh, I've been in working in festivals for over twenty years. I used to program the Bumbershoot Festival in Seattle for for many years, and I've worked on other ones uh, around the country, but. Last year was my first year uh, work, working on it, and uh, just, you know, we had hundreds of thousands of people. The weather was perfect. Uh, things were just running smooth, and everybody I ran into, uh, you know, whether it was patrons, uh, all the different performers I connected with, or and even the, the people working on, on the event, uh, everybody was happy. Everybody was in a good mood, and why can't you? It was just such, you know great performances and great vibe you know the whole um the, the whole uh, golden gate park area where we do it at is such a beautiful area you don't even feel like you're in san francisco in a, in a big city when you're walking through there it's magical and, uh, indeed and you know what this weekend is supposed to be beautiful weather again uh, we'll i know blessed. i'm psyched for that yeah thank you weather gods that's right. You know, the, I was reading your web website and I love this. You know, it said for 19 years, it's a free weekend of music, uh, promoting tolerance and kindness to strangers and all that good stuff. All those good, you know, San Francisco vibes. 
And you have to, everyone has to come out in their highest realm, right? Yeah, amen. And and you that you make a good point there. The San, I, I was going to make that too. The San Francisco vibe, whatever that is, I, it's hard to put into words and put your finger on it. But there is a vibe, and that uh, certainly uh, permeates throughout the uh, the event. Absolutely. So why don't we talk about it? some people haven't gone like i was just telling my friend about it i said oh yeah the hardly strictly bluegrass festival she goes oh bluegrass <laughs> so That's i'm sure you run across uh, that <laughs> yeah or well i went into it both ways i sometimes say oh you're, you're you're working on that bluegrass festival and i was like well there's a lot of hardly in it <laughs> and then you know some people who are bluegrass aficionados there's never enough bluegrass so you know but we try to be you know, the aim is for it to be an eclectic festival of uh, you know definitely Americana roots leaning, but we we do aim to have other genres of music that will be complementary to all of it. Um, but it's three days, uh, happens over six stages, uh, a little over eighty uh, acts are, are performing uh, over those three days. Uh, everything from rock, indie rock, bluegrass, Americana, uh, world global music from different parts of the globe. Um, uh, singer songwriters uh the uh, soul funk you know all of all of those genres and, and maybe some others thrown in there too and uh, and it's and it, i try to put in artists who um will just sort of fit that vibe uh of the environment uh, hopefully it works out and from a production standpoint uh we do have a number of legacy acts as we call them there's about you know eight or nine acts that play every year. Warren Hellman, who uh, founded the festival uh, 19 years ago, you know, had a great love for folks like Amy Lou Harris and Steve Earle and the Flatlanders and Lori Lewis and uh, among a number of others. So we bring back those folks every year that that they're available. Uh, they're just sort of part of the fabric of the of the event. But uh, what I've tried to do is, you know, I I really want to make sure or do my best to keep the festival fresh give others a chance and, and, and bring a lot of newer acts or even a lot of older acts that have either never played at, at the festival or haven't been there in a long time. So I just try to, you know, keep, keep it good mix and uh, accessible for all. When you try to convince an act to play, how do you sell it? What do you say? Because it, it is, it's obscure, you know, because it's, it's bluegrass, but it's hardly, which makes it, it could be really anything. Well, I'm glad and I'm gr- grateful to uh, you know, my, my predecessor, Don Holliday, who had also helped found it. She was a programmer for many years, um, you know, did such a wonderful job. And it's it's actually not an obscure, I mean, at least in the music industry, it's not obscure at all. I, I, artists, all the big agencies and smaller acts and local acts, I mean, of all different, uh, you know, levels all know about it. And while I do have a situation where I have to, to pitch it to some people, honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away at how little I have to do that. I, I, they're more hitting me up for it, frankly, Mark. Okay. And, you know, nice. so, so many are that want to be a part of it. Um, you know, it's, uh, I think, you know, because it's, you know, all ages, it's free. It's in this beautiful park. Uh, we have a great reputation. Hardly Strictly Bluegrass has a great reputation for treating the acts uh, very well when they're here uh, and compensating them well. So, you know, it, it, they it's not usually much arm twisting. I'm, I'm blessed to, to say, you know, that I, I haven't I haven't really had to do that. I have to say no to a lot more a than lot I have more. to say yes to. I mean, I, I said uh, to, to another reporter recently, you know, I, I could book this 
you know, 12, it could be a 12 day festival and I wouldn't be able to book out everybody who's worthy to play. It's just, you know, it's, it's, which is a nice problem to have. I have way more ideas. I mean, I probably have, this is no exaggeration, probably, you know, close to a thousand ideas, whether they're ideas in my head or things that acts that have been pitched to me uh, for the, you know, 82 or so slots that, that we actually have available. Well, it's top notch. You know, I work at KPIG radio, it's all Americana and, which has been such a great education for me. I've been working there for two years. I'm a mu- just a music lover anyway, but you know, just some of the bands, like I just love the big girl crush on Shooter Jennings. You know, I can't get enough yeah. of him. And then you got Margot Price in there, John Craigie, the list goes on and on. It's just quality, quality. It's funny because country Joe McDonald, of course, from Woodstock, this being the Woodstock Nation podcast, he he did an interview and he said, I'm retired. I'm not going to play music anymore. He said, except I would play the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival, by the way. Well, so, that's nice of Joe. And I, I had Joe on a, another show many years ago. I, I, I like him a lot. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll file that in the back of my head. That's okay. he, he was part of a he, – he did perform at as part of a bigger program as before I was working on, on the festival. But uh, – yeah, oh, well, that's good to know. I mean, that kind of thing happens. Like a lot of people who don't tour a lot, like for instance, uh, a guy who's in the Country Music uh, Hall of Fame or, or in the Songwriters Hall of Fame, Bobby Braddock, uh, who's written a ton of uh, famous country songs. He doesn't perform very much. He mostly just hangs around in Nashville and he's going to be part of Buddy Miller's uh, curated show called Cavalcade of Stars. And, you know, so you have people like that or or Michael Nesmith, who uh, yeah. doesn't often tour with his first national band. And, you know, he's getting up there in age. And, you know, I to me, I, I'm all about I love looking at you know, new acts and, you know, fresh, fresh ideas and fresh sounds. But I'm all about also seeing the living legends while you can. And I'm yeah, personally absolutely. very excited for for michael and, and his band i mean in a lot of ways he was you know i i don't think he gets recognized enough as one of the uh uh pioneers of country rock and uh and you know he'll be performing a lot of that at uh, hardly strictly bluegrass uh, as well uh, for the first time too and even the meat puppets are gonna be on i can't yeah i'm glad you brought them up they're a big favorite of mine <laughs> yeah. and i was thinking of them last year i didn't have room but i you know i and uh i reached out to them actually but i i was They'd be great. Why not me puppets? That that would that would fit. So I'm psyched those guys, and they gave me a pretty quick yes, which I was grateful for. I love that. And then Moshi Velozny, I love him. We play him on KB. Oh yeah, yeah. We want to. We definitely want to. You know, have some room for Bay Area folks. You know, uh, Moshe and uh, other band Whisker Man, and you know, and Lori Lewis, of course. You know. You know, we definitely want to have have some room for Bay Area people, too, when we can. There you go. I mean, it's just a wonderful bill. And it's free, which is amazing. There's just really not free festivals anymore. And I think, you know, thank you, really. And keeping the Warren Hellman, you know, his dream alive to have a free festival. You just, you you have to pinch yourself. And I think maybe younger people aren't even used to it because it's, it's a non-commercial festival, right? Yeah, they're not. They're probably surprised. Like, what? I don't have to pay two hundred dollars. What? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's almost like a probably like what's the catch? Yes, right. Um, well, I have to say, you know, and uh, I wholeheartedly agree with everything you just said. And you know, I, I'm very grateful. We all should be very grateful to the Hellman family. I mean, sadly, you know, Warren passed away a number of years ago, but his family was very committed to keeping this going. And you know, they set up a foundation to help support it. And uh, and they they love music. They perform there. We have Hellman family bands that play. We have the Go to Hellman band. That, that's oh, that's all the family members that that play. You know, so they're really into 
music as fans and also most of them as players, interestingly. So uh, it bodes well for uh, keeping this going for the future. Next year is our 20th anniversary, which uh, you know we haven't figured out how we're going to make that extra special. But it's, I think we pinch ourselves that, wow, we're almost at 20 already. Yeah, you're getting old. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Why do you think this music festival is so magical? What is it that puts it, the magic in this? Well, I think it's a lot of things that we touched on earlier. You know, it's it's the mix of I think you know, uh, and hopefully people feel this way. I feel you know we were 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 able to put bring in a, a wide array of quality acts acts that, um, like I said, it's hard for me to put in the words. It's almost like a little sixth sense. I think as a programmer, I need to have a what fits the vibe of that park and of the a legacy of the event. Right. And so melding that all together, it's a beautiful park, it goes without saying. And I think the portion of the park that we use, all those different meadow areas and everything, you know, that's pretty unique too. You don't have that a lot. I mean, so many festivals with, with much due respect to them, you know, it's a big dusty field and they throw up some stages and, right. and there's your festival and nothing wrong with that. But you know, I think the aesthetics of all of it, everything that we put together artfully and, and uh, sound-wise, quality-wise and everything, we work very hard and there's a lot of money spent to, to, to make that, you know, run smoothly. Um, I think, you know, your words, the San Francisco vibe, you know, I, like I said, it's just, it's just the environment and the people. I think the people that, yeah, the people. you know, people make a place and, you know, we have real true music lovers tens or hundreds of thousands of them all coming. I mean, some people are just curious and come for a fun time and that's great too. But, and I want people to come and not only see their favorite acts, but also discover some new ones. Hopefully I always say, you know, come to a festival and find your, your new favorite band. You know, nice. I think that's, that's a joy of, of, of a festival, but the, uh, yeah, it just, it just all together. I, I think this is a perfect time of the year to do something in, in the Bay Area, you know, early October, the weather's usually great and, and knock on wood, hopefully we always have that. I mean, we are apparently this this week, that mm -hmm. adds to it. Um, and then I think, you know, yeah, I'll be can't, perfectly candid. I think free puts people in a good mood. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's like, you know, because I think you have with certain expectations when you, and whatever those are, those, the expectations can be different for every, you know, for a thousand people. But you know, they you you plunk down a hundred bucks or whatever it is, and and uh, you, you know you have this this certain thing, and you know, and you feel like you have to be there all day long. You know, you're obligated right. to getting all your bank for your buck. You can come and go as, as, as you please here, which is which is great. I like the so free, the magic it. word, the F word. Everyone loves that. It. The good F word. Yeah, <laughs> the good there you go. F word. <laughs> Indeed. Well, thank you for your time. We totally appreciate it and can't wait to head out. Chris Portman, the music programmer for the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival. Thank you, Marla. Woodstock Nation. Chris Portman, music programmer of the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival, celebrating its 19th year, held the first weekend of October in San Francisco's Golden Gate Park and one of the few free festivals of its size and kind in the country. Up next, Woodstock Nation will feature one of the artists on the bill of the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival, Shooter Jennings. More after this. Woodstock Nation. Hey, it's Marla Davies and the Woodstock Nation podcast celebrating the revolution, evolution, and the life-changing magic of music festivals from Woodstock to today. 
Today we're featuring the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival, a free music festival held the first weekend of October in San Francisco's Golden Gate Park. On the bill this year, festival legends Emmy Lou Harris, Robert Plant, Robert Earl Keane, Steve Earl, Judy Collins, Chuck Prophet, Tanya Tucker, Jackie Green, Joan Osborne, Grace Potter, Margot Price, The Water Boys, Cronus Quartet, and so many more. For the complete list, just go to hardlystrictlybluegrass.com. On this episode, you're going to hear one of my favorites on the lineup, Shooter Jennings. Waylon Albright Shooter Jennings is American music royalty. He is son of country greats Waylon Jennings and Jesse Coulter. But he's forged his own path, meshing outlaw country and southern rock. He's released seven albums and countless EPs. He started touring as a baby with his parents. He played drums at five, piano at eight, started playing guitar at 14, and sometimes he even joined his dad's band and played percussion. Music is in his blood. Jennings says he wanted to tell his own story and what makes him different. He says he's supposed to be from the South and living in the country or in Nashville, but he really lives a completely different life and he struggles with not being anything like that. He says he loves old computers and Charles Bukowski. He's buddies with Marilyn Manson and jams with Guns N' Roses. Shooter Jennings is also a Grammy award-winning music producer and with Brandy Carlisle just co-produced Tanya Tucker's latest release and talk about the magic of music festivals. Tanya is also on the bill at the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival and as a festival goer, you can only wish there may be a duet. I'm also a DJ on Americana radio station K-Pig in Santa Cruz, Watsonville and fell in love with Shooter Jennings when I heard this song in his latest release, Shooter. This song is timeless. It's one of those beautiful songs that seems to have always been here. Brilliant and catchy. Jennings says he wrote this song with George Jones in mind. Here's Shooter Jennings along with Lucas Nelson recorded at Beyond the Pines Music Festival in Woodlands, Texas in 2016. Here's Living in a minor key. So it's called Living in a Minor Key. Portland was hot in the wintertime. And the rain gave tears to pour down my face. Oh, I wish you were here. I wish I still drank beer. I'd have one for every year. About the times I was wild Though my heartache might hide I'm the sweet melody Oh, I'm living in a minor key I'm living in a minor key I still got a little swagger on my step Oh, my 
son of mine again. Woodstock Nation. Hey, it's Marla Davies, and on this episode, we're featuring Shooter Jennings, who's playing at San Francisco's Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival. The history of bluegrass goes back to the 1940s and Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys. The music is influenced by English, Scottish, Irish, and traditional African blues and jams. Monroe called it bluegrass, and here's how he described it. Scottish bagpipes and old-time fiddling. It's Methodist and holiness and Baptist. It's blues and jazz, and it has a high, lonesome sound. Shooter Jennings' music has all of that, too. Let's hear another from his latest, Shooter. This is D-R-U-N-K. If I hadn't put so much time into the one who got away, Hell, I probably could have been a star by now, but D-R-U-N-K Oh, how you doing? Oh, raise a glass to a ragged line for ruin Oh, pop a top, celebrate There ain't shit to do today Except get D-R-U-N-K yeah, D-R-U-N-K Oh, D-R-U-N, D-R-U-N, D-R-U-N-K Oh, D-R-U-N, D-R-U-N, D-R-U-N-K Yeah, D-R-U-N-K H-I-G-H-I, hallelujah Oh, yeah, raise a glass to a ragged library Woodstock Nation. It's Marla Davies. I hope you've enjoyed the music of Shooter Jennings, who's playing at the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival in San Francisco. For 19 years, the free weekend, the first in October, has promoted tolerance among us and kindness to strangers. For the first time, the festival has had to make some changes in security. There will be four entrances instead of the usual open admission policy. Check the website, Hardly Strictly Bluegrass, for more information. Also, like so many other music venues and music festivals, there will be a clear bag policy. No coolers, no kegs, but you can still bring small chairs, collapsible wagons, and your picnics, but everything must fit into the required size clear bags, one per person. And you'll see increased security too. This may be an adjustment for longtime festival goers and the promoters are asking you to bring extra patience and compassion. But of course, the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival will still be a joyous event where music fills the San Francisco air. Woodstock Nation, the podcast, is in association with Woodstock Nation, the documentary to be released in 2019 and brought to you by the wonderful people at Green Age Development. 
Any music used in the Woodstock Nation podcast is owned by the artist and is used for educational and illustration purposes only. Thank you for liking and sharing and following Woodstock Nation on the Pantheon Podcast Network and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Talk to you next time. Peace, love, and thanks for being part of the tribe. From Marla Davies and everyone here at Woodstock Nation. Tune in, turn on next week.